today. It's one of the incredible guitar shredders of all time. He has a brand new album coming out on May 27th called I Can Destroy. I'd like to welcome Paul Gilbert. Hi, Paul. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Man, it's a, it's an honor to uh, to speak with you. I'm a big fan, longtime fan. Uh, is this your home studio? Where are you talking to me from? Yeah, I just moved in. I, I moved to Portland, Oregon. You know, I moved into a, my house a couple months ago, so I'm just sort of getting things worked out. Cool. Why uh, Oregon? What's up there? Oh, well, there's it's spring here. It, it's uh, there's I'm, I'm really not that flowery of a person, but man, I'm I'm blown away by the uh, the spring up here. Um, but in, in general, there's all kinds of things. Um, I would say why Portland? It's uh, it's still on the West Coast. And not that that makes any sense, but um, growing up on the East Coast, for some reason, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. And, uh, and it just felt like moving west felt right to me. And, and I lived in L.A. for probably 20 years, if you add it all up. Right. And uh, I lived in Japan for a while. I lived in Las Vegas for a while. And... Uh, I, I just sort of felt like I did everything that I was ever going to do in Los Angeles. And, you know, I would just be doing the same thing over and over again. And uh, you know what it is? I, I finally, it took me a long time, but here's here's the reason. Walkability. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not an exerciser. I've got, uh, I've got my little six-pound weight on the floor, <laughs> and I never used this. I never picked it up. Right. I picked that up since I've lived here, and uh, but if I have to have to take a walk in order to get to to the place where lunch is, then then I'll do it. And so and that's that's what happened. I moved to a place where like there's there's food carts six blocks away, and there's a restaurant around the corner, and and you know so I'm always I'm walking a lot more. I got my bicycle all fixed up, and so uh, you know this I'm you know this this year I'm going to be fifty, so I, I've got to get myself in shape. And I'm not going to do it by exercise. I'm going to do it by, like, you know, it's easier to walk somewhere than to drive somewhere. And they have good coffee up there, from what I understand. That's what I always hear. Fantastic. Although last night was the first night that I got enough sleep where I don't think I'm going to need coffee today. (laughs) There you go. So so the 17th uh, studio album called I Can Destroy uh, coming out May 27th. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've been prolific, man. You don't ever stop. There's a new album, kind of one way or another, coming out all the time. What drove you to put this one out now? How had the writing happen? How did it come together? I think the the first inspiration was uh, my record company in Japan making the suggestion that perhaps I should get a real producer. <laughs> <laughs> and, that helps. Well, and, and actually, I've worked with some some. Great producers, but mostly my um, my solo albums have been self-produced, and I, and they they said you know why don't you go get somebody who's you know, you know big top awesome producer, and I thought man that'd be that'd be a blast you know that'd be a luxury actually, right. so uh, I had worked with with Kevin Shirley before with the Mr. Big album called What If, and I really enjoyed the the process and the result, so like. Uh, Contacted Kevin and it, and he was willing to work with me as a solo artist, which was flattering. And you know, we had some meetings about it, and I got excited because he he was willing to uh, you know to let me be me. But yeah. uh, you know, he, you know, I didn't have to, to to change or go in some other direction. I I could just still be myself, but just better. 
And I knew I would have to be better because I know the way Kevin works, and that is you don't really do a lot of takes or a lot of fixing. And, uh, and so I knew I would have to bring him a great band that was rehearsed and, and ready to go. And uh, that put a lot of pressure on me, a good pressure to, to do just that. And, and that, so I, I started assembling a band that I knew would sound good without overdubs. You know, I got two other guitar players, two guys that can sing really well. And uh, that way we could have, you know, guitar harmonies and, and basically a live performance that would sound like a, a, that would still sound like a record. It wouldn't sound, you know, so raw that's, that you're missing production. You know, it would sure. be, uh, you know, it could be live and produced at the same time. So that was uh, that was my inspiration for, for putting a band together with more guys than I usually would have. Yeah, and, and to that end, you got uh, Thomas Lang on drums, who you know is sort of known real well as a as a beast of a drummer. Um, you know, how did how is it working with that guy? And and does he? Uh, well, you said you worked on it sort of live. So was he in the rehearsal process and and tracking, or you know, sometimes these days the drums come on sort of later. Oh well, th- everything was live. Um, I mean, the only thing I that I overdubbed were, were the vocals and uh, actually while we were tracking I was still singing but right. you know the songs were so new I, I just didn't know them well enough so it's like at least let me overdub the vocals <laughs> um, but Thomas was uh, Thomas is amazing I worked with him before on uh, a solo record I did called Vibrato okay and uh, we also did the we did the Vibrato tour together and uh, and Thomas is a, a great combination of a guy who can play anything but it's also just really groove oriented and he's not going to mess up a song just because he wants to put in some tricky part um, and that's hard to find you know in, in any instrument you know if, if you take a, an instrumentalist who's worked so hard to get to this you know incredible degree of skill on their instrument you know they want to do it and uh, but the, the, the thing is that it actually does take an incredible degree of skill just to lay down a great groove and and Thomas does does both those things laying down a great groove and also you know doing the more athletic stuff uh, you know at, at such a world-class level it's just a you know w- w- at the end of every song the whole band's just sort of looking at him going like oh my god actually I felt guilty because you know you, you can work hard as a guitar player but it's just your little teeny fingers right <laughs> and Thomas just like you know he's sweating and he's you know his, his arms and legs are going so much work yeah and we were doing the title track I can destroy and you know after like you know four or five takes I'm going like well shouldn't we let Thomas rest you know <laughs> like oh I can do it you know <laughs> um, you know a couple of the tracks on the album that that stood out real quick uh, when I was listening to it first of all the opening track is great. Uh, everybody uh, was there. Everybody use your goddamn turn signal. Yeah. Um, so of course the, the the best one of the best titles ever for a song. But did that come from you got frustrated driving? Is that is that where that happened? Maybe that's one of the reasons that I moved to Portland. Is is yeah. like I talked about. <laughs> well, driving in L.A. is notorious, right? That's yeah. that's a bad thing. And actually, L.A. L.A. drivers they're they're fine. There's just more of them. Right. It's just a, a, a lot of them and. Uh, and I think the area where I lived, it was in the Hollywood Hills, and it's a little, you know, I lived there, so I knew my way around, but I think a lot of people are, like, looking for the Hollywood sign, and they're just, like, you know, they're not really paying attention to where they're going, and they never signal, and I'm, you know, I'm going home every day, I know where I'm going, I'm trying to get home, and, you know, and, uh, you know, there's people just stopped in the road, and, like, are you going to turn, are you going to go, <laughs> so, you know, after living there for 
for decades. I, uh, you know, that's that song came out, and it was it's very true to my heart. And I, I actually, if you know, if if a lot of people listen to it, I think I could save some lives. Yeah, <laughs> right. We'll use it as a PSA or something. Uh, I, I could be making a difference. <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, I mean, as usual with with your albums, there's all different styles, and you kind of sway from maybe some heavier tracks to different things. And there's a uh, one one woman too many, which is kind of maybe jazzy influenced or something. How do you decide what styles you want to go towards and and stretch your boundaries one way or another when you're writing? Well, I have. Uh... I'm kind of juggling two things. I'm, I'm juggling the fact that my guitar playing, I mean, of course my guitar playing has limitations, but in, in general... I, I, I think most people wouldn't say that. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, any, any player does. I mean, there's stylistic ones. I mean, I'm, right. I'm never, you know, I don't, just don't have time in my life to be like a country finger picker. Sure, okay. Yeah, I'm not going to play like Chet Atkins. That's, that's not going to happen. Right. But overall, in, in the styles that, I, that I'm really interested in, my guitar playing lets me do what I want to do. I, I don't feel a lot of technical limitations. S as a singer, on the other hand, I feel vast limitations. <laughs> <laughs> and so combining these things two together is an interesting mix. And the, the, the solution for it is often to, to, to write the lyrics and write the lyrics first and to get an idea of what I'm going to sing. And, you know, within my limitations right. and then I can sort of go to town and have fun with the music or you know to just to support that and so you know a song like one woman too many was absolutely a lyric first song you know I you know before I was going to bed one night I just had this idea and you know got up went to the bathroom and, and typed it all into my iPhone and got up the next day and had a, like you know six verses or whatever and uh, and absolutely no music and so I, I just started you know, well, should, what this, should this be? Should it be a, a slow blues? Should it be a faster thing? And uh, I, I, actually, it was one of the things about working with Kevin is is the production goes so quickly mm -hmm. that a lot of times you have to make decisions very quickly, and which is wonderful because I, I I could have sat there for you know for two weeks going like, well, I don't know, should it be reggae? You know, <laughs> whereas Kevin's like, hey, you know, <laughs> we. We, uh, you know, the clock's ticking. Come on, let's figure something out. And so I just went with it. And, and the one I went with was that more, I don't know, to me, it's almost, I, I know very little about Latin music, but to me, it almost has like this little Latin flavor or something. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm, I could be, and I'm probably wrong. But, <laughs> or it, maybe it even has like a little bit of like a Gary Moore, you know, Thin Lizzy. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But anyway, it, it does have a couple chords that I that I wouldn't have ever known without having gone to school. And that that's like a a minor nine and a minor eleven and another key, and so it's it's got a little bit of harmonic trickiness in there. Right. And and of course it's got the drill as well, so that was fun. <laughs> that's great. Um, when you uh, let's say, say over the years as you've toured and you go through you know recording and you get you know new guitars all the time and so on do you tend to uh, stay the same with your gear or how often do you sort of mess around and, and change your whole life setup and how are you on that sort of thing well the, the for the gear the first thing that I make is the set list hmm, and okay. figure out figure out what what songs I'm playing and actually one of the most challenging things is is, is touring with Mr. Big because I have to go from playing 
you know, daddy, brother, lover, little boy, this chunky, you know, jig, 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 right. you know, chunky rhythm thing to, you know, songs like Alive and Kickin', which are more like the twangy Steve Ray Vaughan kind of thing, to uh, like To Be With You, which is an acoustic song, to Just Take My Heart, which is like the real, you know, clean, compressed 80s, uh, <laughs> you know, Trevor Rabin kind of a sound. And uh, that's, that's, it's really, I mean, I mean, of course, there, there's gear that'll that'll do that. I, mean, I just got a, a Kemper uh, profiler that that I'll probably take out for the next Mr. Big tour, that where you can actually get you know a million sounds in a box. Right. But but in general, you know, growing up uh, in the '70s and with '70s rock, I'm much more comfortable with just an amp and some pedals. Right. And, and so, you know, that's that. I don't know how well that works for Mr. Big. For my own stuff, that works pretty well. And it's it's. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, I just build the pedal board depending on what the, what, what the set list has in it, and and try to, you know, make it work for that. Oh, there you go. What about the um the great guitarscape weekend that you have going on coming up in July? Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. What's going on there? Well, it's actually the everything everything except the weekend. Oh, okay, it's, right. It's, it's from Monday through Friday, but it's in the summer, so hopefully, yeah. hopefully people have some time off to come out. Um, it's well, it's the third one I've done. In a way, the in a way the fourth one because I, I did uh, a camp with with Joe Cetriani, uh in in between as well, but um, it's the third great guitar escape I've done, and I, I just bring out you know some other players who are who I think are fantastic, and who also are able to communicate what they do, and you know the, it's it becomes sort of a guitar commune. You know we right. we we all have breakfast together and lunch together and dinner together and jam together and. And uh, it's a it's a nice amount of people, you know. I I, I usually the, the previous ones I did were all averaged around eighty people, and uh, you know give give or take five, and so uh, you know it's it's enough to get a vibe, right. you know. If we're, we're, when when I'm doing when my band's doing a performance, you know we're you know it's a super intimate venue and and you know we can get a the feeling like it's a rock show, but at the same time it's a small enough amount of people where I can actually jam with everybody. And, that's uh, and and that's a blast. That's yeah. the and that's the thing for, for the. Um, at first, I was a little, I was a little worried, like with this, because eighty eighty people is actually kind of kind of a lot to to get close to. But uh, they're they're cool people. I'm, I'm I think I'm very fortunate in that the, the the people that seem to be drawn to my music are pretty normal people. Right. Yeah. You know, other than their guitar. Fanatics, right? But but as uh, but their personalities aren't aren't too strange. So, um, you know, the, actually, one of the reasons that I was, uh, first agreed to do a camp like this was I saw that Todd Rundgren was doing one, and I'm a huge Todd Rundgren fan. And I thought, well, if Todd's doing one, it must be cool. But then I, I you know, I haven't been to one, to Todd's, but I just, you know, I know that that Todd, you know, he's from like the the drug psychedelic era of the '70s. So I feel like he's got some some people that come out to his that are like. <laughs> All right, prepare for the camp. You know? <laughs> and, and mine's mine's uh, you know all about music and, and you know we just have a good time. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's you know there's some drinks served, but you know nothing self destructive. Is there a, a like instructional component to it? You guys break off and you you do lessons with some of the some yeah, of the people and stuff. There's, there's, I mean, it's it's the days are filled with seminars and and. Uh, uh, you know, from everybody, I'm 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 teaching you know one or two seminars a day, and the um, 
you know, the, the other guests are, I mean, the other teachers are as well. And then I say teachers, but, you know, they're rock legends. We've got, you know, guys from Megadeth. We've got An Andy Timmons, Bruce Bouillet, who I played with in Racer X, uh, Bumblefoot, played with Guns N' Roses, you know, so we'll, we've got road stories, you know, that, that to top anybody's. And, uh, but but everybody's a normal person, you know. It's 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 not. I mean, there's a lot of these rock camp kind of things, and some of them, I get the feeling are like, you know, you get to have a picture next to the guy with the best leather jacket in the world, <laughs> and and this is much more, you know, musical bonding. We really do, you know. I, I make it a point to, to jam with everybody. I mean, you know, you don't have to if you're right. If, if that's a worrying prospect, you you don't have to no obligation. But if if you're into it, we'll do it. I I, th I imagine a lot of people must be super intimidated jamming with you guys. But then, you know, then there's those guys that will stand up there and think they're already better than you, right? So they'll they'll take you on and and try and challenge who's faster that type of thing. Well, I, I try to make it a welcoming <laughs> experience. You know, you know, I I try to make it a more of a conversation rather than a, a competition. Yeah, exactly. You know, I like the idea of those things. There's, there's, I think, uh, you know, the winery dogs have a have a weekend, and and a bunch of other people. They're doing these things where you get closer to the bands these days. That seems to be a kind of a, a a new way to reach your fans, as opposed to what maybe was available, you know, ten, fifteen years ago. Well, it's it's a lot different than when I was a kid. You know, I remember the idea of of meeting. You know, somebody who was on a record that I listened to was just you know, impossible, unimaginable. Right, and uh, it it was actually it was surprising to me because after after we do these camps, the, the people a lot of times will fill out a like a review that the the camp organizer gives to them, and I I read them all, and uh, you know again my expectation is that oh everybody wants to you know jam play some music and they do, but so many people were like man. I just loved having breakfast with Paul. Right. And yeah, I, where are you going to do that? When would you think I, that you would ever do that? And I, I you know, I have, I have a good time. You know, we have some bacon. And, you know, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I never imagined that I would be that that, that the you know the Paul Gilbert bre breakfast experience would be that valuable of <laughs> a thing. But I'm glad that people like it. You know, yeah, that's right. I'm nice. You know. So you know when you're not playing guitar, if there if there is a time when you're not playing guitar, what do you do? And and especially now that you're up, sort of away from LA. I mean, what's your what's your off time like? And and how much off time do you even take for yourself? Well, I I, I never really did give myself off time before because I, I love music so much. There's always something to do. Sure. Um, but but now I'm the father of a you know one and a half year old boy. Oh, there you go. And so that that's a whole <laughs> story. And so uh, it, it's really fun just to. To, to show him what exists in the world, so you know, taking him, taking him to the zoo and you know, watching him when he sees a lion, that kind of stuff is a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great, man. Uh, you know, taking a look back at your long career, I mean, you've been uh, everywhere—number one hits, solo albums, world tours, the whole thing. What's you know, is there anything that stands out to you that's like, wow, that was the the pinnacle of you know whatever you might have accomplished or done? Well. I mean, there's the the things I can, you know, sort of the list of bragging rights. You know, like oh, well, number one single and then played arenas, and but um, the things that actually meant the most to me were uh, were a lot of times the things that happened for the first time. That and the, the first time I sold out a club, right? With with Racer X, that was really that 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 just warmed my heart and made me not worry about the future 
so much because uh, not that I was worrying that much. I mean, I didn't have to worry because I was completely naive. But, <laughs> but uh, the first time we sold out the Troubadour in L.A. and and that and and when I say sold out, it was you, you, we could barely get backstage because it was there's so many people packed into, into the into the club, and uh, just that feeling of like. This is this is my band, and I, I put it together, and and every, yeah. people like it, and and we're in Los Angeles, and uh, you know that that moment really felt like I might really be able to do this. This this might actually work. <laughs> you know, I mean, not that I would have stopped, you know, if it didn't, because I just loved it. But you know, to have other people to respond to it, that was a, a great day. Um, besides that, I would say um, a lot of. Just in the in the end, you, I think any musician, you, whatever whatever part of it you find it becomes an art, and I think that's different for different people. I mean, somebody like David Bowie is was a great musician, but also he was like a, a great you know fashion icon, and so I'm sure that 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 was an art to him, and became something that he would spend time on and tinker with and 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 dream about and think about. And and for me, playing guitar is, and also teaching guitar, are are, are arts and and things where I can get into the minute details and and also like thinking about the the global general principles. And it's just it, it's something that never gets boring, and that I can always think about and share with other people. And then uh, you know it, it, when they're teaching, a lot of times it's one on one, so it's not a big audience, it's not the roar of the crowd, but it's so interesting. And, uh, and and so I, I, I've been doing a lot of that lately because I have an online school, and you know, I'll go to bed at night thinking, how am I gonna, how am I gonna help this guy? You know, I'll, I'll you know watch these. It's all videos, so somebody will send in a, a video of them playing, and I'll think like, I, you know, I've got to, how can I, how can I help them? You know, because it's, it's everybody's different. Everybody's got the, the certain things that they need, certain things that they want, certain things that I want to change about them they might not want to you know and, and you know I got to think to myself should I do that you know, or, you know do I have the right to try to change them you know so it's 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 really uh an interesting thing teaching yeah that's cool man you, you know one story I, I could tell you is uh you know when I was trying to do my band thing you know back in the day like when like everyone else we auditioned a guitar player back in college or whatever, and you were always right. I mean, it's, it was like you and Vi, and you guys were the pinnacle of like, this is how you play guitar, you know? Kate comes in and uh, started playing uh, a green tinted 60s mind, you know, your, your uh, you know, finger tapping beginning or whatever. And we're like, yeah, okay, he's in. He can play Paul Gilbert. He's, he's in the band. So, you know, that's, I always remember that as being, um, uh, we always looked up to how you played as like one of the main guys, man. So to be able to speak to you is really just a real treat. Oh, so nice. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, good luck with the record and touring and Mr. Big and, and all that, everything. And your kid, man. Good uh, with that. <laughs> and, uh, all right, good talking to you. You too, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to Paul for the interview. We're going to close with the title track off his new album. This is I Can Destroy. For upcoming news and interviews, please check thepargreport.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Prague Report on Twitter or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.